A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, beautiful humans. Welcome to episode 26 of Proversation. I know I haven't released an episode in a whole month. And I always, always start this episode or any episode with an apology. So this time I'm not going to. I'm going to start it with a thank you. Thank you for sticking with me. I've been through the fucking mincer. And I'm not going to go into it because I have a therapist for that. I'm in therapy now and I'm very proud of myself for that. And if you haven't tried it, I fucking recommend it. Absolutely fucking lutely. So I won't drabble on, babble on, drab on, melge those two together. That's fine. But here is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while. And it kind of dawned on me today to record it now at just gone midnight in the UK, which is when all my inspiration strikes, 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 I think it might be time to go to bed. However, this episode, I think you're going to enjoy. There's a wonderful guest. And I say that it's hard to say, because it's so hard to be kind to yourself. But yeah, you're going to enjoy it. I'll keep it short and sweet. If you want to find me online, beautiful humans, you can find me at K-A-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. If you are listening to this podcast on Acast, thank you very much. There won't be any click-through links on this one. Just saying. Don't worry. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they now call it, if you have a second to leave me five stars, that would be fan-fucking-tastic. Thank you so much. So kind. So generous. Honestly, it makes a huge difference. It just helps people discover the podcast more. If you have a longer than five seconds, maybe have 30 seconds or even a minute, please leave me like a little written review. Even if it's like, oh my God, love this podcast or whatever, anything, literally anything like that really, really, really helps more people discover conversation and spread just goodness into the world, you know? That's all I want to do. I want to spread happiness and goodness into the world. And you should do that too. So share this podcast with your friends maybe. Let's try and make the world a nicer, kinder, happier place. Put a smile on someone's face. Be kind to your mind. Good sayings. If it rhymes, it's true, right? All right, I won't hold you up any longer. So please enjoy episode 26 of Crovisation. 
When I was growing up, all my role models were male. I didn't see anyone I could relate to in the press, online, anywhere. Now, I'm surrounded with the most phenomenal women. They've each endured unique hardships and survived. More than survived, they thrive. But still, women are not equal in the world, not represented in the media, not treated equally online, and still subjected to sexism in everyday life. Alternative women especially are more a hashtag than they are real humans. I want to change that. I want you to see the women I see. I want you to hear them. This is conversation. Hi, beautiful humans. So, this is a story of an interesting person who doesn't usually talk that much about themselves, you know? If it's in a in a situation where there's lots of people, she's very happy to sit in the corner and just listen and observe and absorb, you know? There's nothing wrong with that. Um she's learned a lot from it, you know? She's She's very outgoing, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, she's got a very different side to her. There's two personalities there, absolutely. So, <laughs> in true conversation fashion, please welcome my guest today, myself. Hey! <laughs> now, I've told a lot of people's story over my first year of my podcast. Um... And I've done some solo episodes and things like that, but you know what? I've never actually told my story of how I got into the industry. And I always get asked questions, and I've always promised you guys things like uh, model tutorial videos, etc. They are coming. Fucking hell, I promise they are in production in my mind. Life has gotten in the way. I cannot begin to tell you the financial blows I've taken this year. Not even in these. I, I can't even count them on one hand. It's more than one hand, basically. Less than two hands, but more than one hand. So, I've been working my fucking ass off trying to make some dollar. So, if you want to help a girl out, just saying, my calendars are still on sale. And they are banging. They are fucking I'm so proud of these calendars. I put so much work in to these calendars this year. You would not believe... <laughs> You would not believe the mess. Although you've seen the glitter and the wax photos potentially on my Instagram. So perhaps you do know the absolute hell I put myself through. Now, I brought myself here today on Conversation to talk to myself. Wow, I do talk to myself a lot. I think there's maybe, perhaps, that's, perhaps that's why I got a cat. So that when I do talk to myself, it doesn't seem quite as crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do talk to myself a lot. And uh, I wrote myself some notes of my life story. And I'm going to try and relay it back to you. The notes are scrawled in three different pens on two different pieces of paper that I've cobbled together. So at some point there will be some confusion. I will give it my wires crossed. But you know what? That is an authentic representation of how my brain works. <laughs> it's all over the place. Um, yeah, I'm ADD. What can I say? So here we go. The title of the page is The Story of Rebecca Crow. And the first bit I've written out nicely and then it descends into absolute anarchy of notes. So, here we go. 
<clears throat> Once upon a time, there was a girl called Rebecca. She was born eight days early. And that was the only time that she was early in her entire fucking life. <laughs> Throughout her life, she's been known as Bex, Johnny, Catherine, and Rebecca Crow. And, uh, of course, to her inner circle, Becca. Yeah. But don't call me that unless you know me, because it's creepy. Don't pretend to know me. That's one thing about the internet, guys. Side note here. You may know a lot about people's lives, but please don't pretend to know them. It's quite creepy. Anyway, back to the story. Rebecca's parents, um, they were bikers. They rode motorbikes. They went camping in fields. Um, I saw a photo of my mum once and she was wearing these blue high-waisted jean shorts and like a black crop top. And I was like, shit, that is my general aesthetic. I literally wear that most days in summer. You've definitely seen me in that outfit. So I am effectively a carbon copy of my mother, except she's ginger. And I fortunately got my dad's very dark black hair. Phew! <laughs> and uh, I blame a lot of my life, not problems on this, but life choices on this. But uh, when my mother was eight months pregnant or so with me, it must have been about eight months, she was very, very close to being due. She was a large pregnant lady, so much that she says um, she was leaping around at this gig that she was at. And the man in front and behind her looked very, very, very concerned that she was going to either A, give birth on his head, perhaps, because obviously that's how giving birth works, or B, I don't know, smash his beer out of his hand with her giant belly, which, if I was in charge, in, inside that belly I was, inside that belly, but if I had the choice, I probably would have reached out through my mother's flesh and uh, grabbed that beer and had a nice big swig because I would have been having a hell of a time at the Guns N' Roses concert that she took me to in her belly. Thank you, mother. Leslie, you're a queen, and I love you so fucking much. <laughs> so I blame a lot of the way I am on that. None of my parents. I was brought up in a very alternative world. So I guess that's kind of how it turned out alternative. But let's move on swiftly. My childhood was pretty normal. Pretty normal. Nothing pretty traumatic happened all all. I have a wonderful family. I'm very grateful for them. Um, you may have met my mum even, in fact. She has come to uh, my club night, Disgrace. Um, she's also come to support me in places such as London Tattoo Convention. If you've met her, then it's a fucking honour. You've met a legend. You really have. Um, but moving on. They gave me a very, very lovely childhood. Wonderful childhood. Did not want for much. Was not spoiled rotten at all. I would say bog standard middle class. Wonderful. Great. School, however, in primary school, which in, uh, in the UK, primary school is age 5 till age 10, 11. Uh, I was shy. I didn't really say much, uh, which is a complete contrast to how I was at home. Apparently, when my parents were called in school to have, like, the yearly chats and whatever, um, they were like, oh, Becca, she's a very nice, quiet girl, knuckles down. And my parents were like, no, 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 she's not. She's a terror. So here we seem to see the two personalities beginning to form. <laughs> uh, secondary school, however, was a totally, totally different case. 
year seven and eight, I guess I was still kind of shy. And then in year nine, I fell into a group of friends who I would say are, you know, your first solid group of friends, my first real best friend. And we were fucking weird. (laughs) And you know what? I'm fucking proud of that. That's fine. We would do weird shit, really weird shit. Like, you know, uh, you know, glue sticks, prit sticks, and you can screw them up from the bottom. We would screw them up, throw them at the ceiling, and they would stick there, and hopefully the teacher would notice. Or uh, take over the art department at lunchtime to paint my skateboard that I carried around in my backpack, even though I couldn't skateboard. And uh, I rode it up and down hills in school. Uh, my favorite trick, I think, was to stand in puddles until they filled up my shoes. I'm not sure why I did that. Uh, or maybe stomp on my sandwich and then eat it. I think you can probably see a pattern here of a show, a showman coming out of me. Somebody who wants to shock. Not at that point arouse, but definitely confuse. That is my motto, confuse and arouse. But um, I definitely started with the confusing part there. <laughs> uh, in school, my nickname was Johnny after Johnny Knoxville because I used to run into walls. Repeatedly, over and over again, again, love to entertain, not so shy from hurting myself really, I was a bit of an emo, I liked to, I don't know, seem like I was fucked up in the head, maybe I was, maybe that's why I did it, who knows, well we'll find out soon actually I suppose, because yeah, this, that shit comes back, but I was called Johnny Knoxville, after Johnny Knoxville from Jackass, and all of our friends, all my friendship group was named after one of the characters from Jackass, so we did dumb shit around school, and made a name for ourselves, you know what, we made YouTube videos too, one of them still exists, I, I will not link it here, but if you are ever fortunate enough to be in a room with me at about 4am drunk, ask me about the video, you may understand this if you know me from very young age. About at the time I made a red, life-size red man and stuff, put it in my PE kit and things happened, okay? I tried to scare my teachers a lot. It happened. I tried to set a sink on fire once. I like fire. It was a sink in, the, in, in a sink though, so it was fine. It was fine. Nothing, nobody died. Barely anyone died. It was fine. And, uh... <laughs> Around that age, I also discovered bands like uh, like Linkin Park and My Chemical Romance, which to this day I would absolutely say is still two of my favorite bands in the whole fucking world. They absolutely shaped me as who I am. They made me uh, angsty for a long time. I kind of not resented them, but was afraid to listen to those bands again because I thought they made me that depressed teenager that I was, the angsty teenager that I was. But you know what? That's so normal to be an angsty teenager. All those fucking hormones, man. Jesus. If the, the Okay, so there's a show on Netflix called Big Mouth. If you haven't watched it, watch it now. It is the perfect definition of puberty. And uh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That is it. And so, yeah, this shy little girl turned into this insane exhibitionist. And henceforth, it became... So I, uh, I completed school, I went into sixth form, which is from the ages of 16 to 18. Uh, I went to sixth form for a few weeks, and then one day I came into sixth form, which was in the same place as my school, and they said, oh, Becca, those trousers, they're way too skinny. I was like, bitch, look at them, they've got fucking 
like a military stripe down the side. These are like a uniform. If anything, we had to wear smart casual as if you would wear to an office. Never working in an office ever. So sorry, no offense to anyone that does, but good God, take a look at me. I could not work in an office. No, no, no. And they said, oh, Becca, those trousers are way too skinny. And I said, no, they're not. And they said, you have to go home and change. And I said, if I go home and change, I'm not coming back. And they said, go home and change. I said, okay, bye. I didn't go back. And that was that. And I went and got a job and I earned lots of money. It was great. And uh, that's why education didn't work for me. And that's okay. The education system doesn't work for everyone. In fact, I don't think it works for quite a few people. So don't beat yourself up about that. There may be bigger things awaiting you. And you know what? The things you learn in school may not always be in the classroom. I fucking learned to be a showman in school. I learned, I don't know, to be a weirdo. I learned to be myself. And that's a fucking valuable lesson right there. Now let's fast forward a little bit. Turning 18. My 18th birthday party. Woo! With my group of friends at the time. I was in a very goth phase. Cyber goth phase, if you will. I wore this shiny pink well, shiny black PVC with pink netting underneath tutu. And I backcombed all my hair so it stood on end. I had like kind of a sideways mohawk. You know how a mohawk usually goes from the front to the back? Well, mine went from ear to ear, side to side. It was great. I look great. There's photos in existence. Yeah, if you look through, if you are fortunate enough to be on my Facebook and you look through my profile photos, you will discover these photographs. I'm sure one day I'll release them when I'm drunk. You know what? I might release one. I might release one when I finish recording this. I think that'll be funny. <laughs> Love a blast in the past. Anyway, I and my friends, my friends and I, sorry, grammatically correct, dressed up in our finest goth gear. And my parents, God bless them, absolute superstars. I did ask them if I could go to an infamous club in London called Slimelight, which is like this age-old cyber goth club that I've been lusting over for years before I even turned eighteen. Um, not the only website I was lusting over before I turned 18, I'll tell you that, Suicide Girls and the Slime Night website was frequented by 16 and 17 year old Becca. Oh, yes. But now, she turned 18, she wanted to go to Slime Night, and her parents booked her for her five other super duper goth friends, a bright pink stretched limousine. <laughs> and it was great, and it drove us all the way up to London. And we climbed outside of this goth club, or five, however many of us, of us clambered out of this bright pink limo outside this goth club, went inside, and for those of you who have been into the club, you know there are cages, like go-go dancing cages. And I got inside one of these, and I fucking danced, mate. I didn't even get that drunk. I was too poor to buy drinks. I didn't realise how expensive drinks were in London. It's like five pounds for a beer. Jesus. Whoa. Come on. I've got money, but jeez, I ain't that rich. So I just danced. I danced a whole night go-go dancing in this cage. And I realised, I quite like being in this cage. I quite like being in the centre of attention. People would just stand around watching me and I was like, oh, I must be quite good at this. I must mention now that I do have a dance background. When I was a kid I did, um, you know, the dance classes your parents put you through. Ballet. I did ballroom dancing. That was fucking sassy as fuck. Um, Latin dancing. Um, kind of just like contemporary street dancing. Well, I stopped it all mostly when I hit 
about 12 years old because I was an angsty emo teenager that just wanted to play World of Warcraft all the time. All right? You don't understand, Mom. Jesus. Just kidding. And, uh, yeah. 18-year-old Rebecca Crow. At this point, my personality, Rebecca Crow, was developing. I think I'd taken on the name... Because I started to do some modelling. I think I'd taken on the name Rex Crow. Because I wanted to be super edgy. And the name Crow come from the movie The Crow. I really enjoyed the idea of becoming someone else, like putting on a mask. So Crow is what it became. Obviously, it changed back to Rebecca after a while because I just decided it was easier than Rex Crow. But I did these shoots and I had my pictures up on Model Mayhem, which is an amazing website if you're starting out modeling. Um, it's very similar to Purple Port modelmayhem.com or purpleportport.com if you're starting out in the modeling industry and you want to make connections or even if you're a photographer, a makeup artist, uh, a retoucher, anything like that, you want to get into the industry, these websites are fucking fantastic. I 100% recommend sign up to those. Get your shit doing. Do lots of shoots. Get all the shoots you can under your belt. Learn, learn, learn. The first ones, you'll look back and be like, oh, I do. But that's fine. Sucking at something is the first step of being kind of good at something. As said by Jake the dog from Adventure Time. Anyway, I was invited, very fortunately, very, very fortunately, to shoot for Suicide Girls. And I, when I received the message on Mono Mayhem, I was like, fuck, this has got to be a prank. You got to be joking. And it was Rambo who messaged me being like, hey girl, uh, one of our photographers is coming to town. We want to shoot you. Can we book you in? You have to travel up to London and come to this hotel. Um, and I was like, 18-year-old at the time, of course, I was like, this is sketchy as fuck. I'm getting on a train to meet a random man in a hotel. I have no idea who he is. Am I going to die? <laughs> Fortunately enough, it was one of the kindest, kindest people I've ever met in my life who was actually probably responsible for launching my career. Um, yeah. He's the co-founder of Suicide Girls, Sean. He shot me my first set, and I was fortunate enough to meet the Suicide Girl Go-Go. She was the first Suicide Girl I ever met. I remember she emerged from these lifts, elevators, um, to be like, hey, come upstairs. And I was like, oh, you're so beautiful. I, at this point, I had no idea who anyone was. I didn't have access to the site. Uh, and I shot my first set in a bathtub, and I had really bad tan lines because I'd just come back off holiday. Um, from one of my, with one of my ex-boyfriends. We don't talk about him. And we did the shoot. And you know what? This is a funny story that Sean told me. And I'm now going to reveal to the rest of the world. Sean almost cancelled on me. Because obviously my modelling portfolio was not up to scratch at this time. He was not in, impressed enough. He was like, eh, she's cute, but whatever. i got shit to do. And he didn't cancel on me. And... Thank God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you that you did it because you launched my fucking career. And we shot our first set, my, sorry, my very first Suicide Girl set. And then we got on so fucking well, we went to see a Doctor Who exhibition. Ha <laughs> It was so much fun. I literally had the time of my fucking life. It was, it was so fun. And I think I forged a, a lifelong friendship there and a lifelong professional relationship as well. Huge tip, girls, and boys, and anyone in between, or around. If you want to be in an industry, it's who you know. 100% who you know. Make good relationships, make good friends. Be chill.
be cool, be fun. So we'll fast forward a little bit more in my career. I continued like shooting and stuff like that. And uh, I got an email through again from Suicide Girls saying, hey girl, we're filming a DVD in the UK. We need a people to come and like look after girls in the house, uh, potentially shoot for the DVD. At this time, I wasn't actually an official suicide girl. My set hadn't even gone live in the site. I had no idea if that set was going to get bought. And they also said, hey, we need someone to drive people around. And I was like, immediately, straight away, hand in the air. I'll do it. I'll be the driver. And uh, I think I was the only one that volunteered. And I had my own car. And I clocked up so many fucking miles on that car. And I scared the absolute shit out of everyone with my driving doing 100 down these country lanes in the middle of the countryside where this beautiful UK holiday DVD was filmed. Uh, but you know what? That was one of the best decisions I ever made because I made friends with so many suicide girls. I made better friends with the owners and the people who run the site. It's all about relationships. Keep those working relationships going. And uh, yeah, take every opportunity you can. So here I am driving around all these girls. I met some of the, some of the girls that I stayed friends with forever like I met radio um I met Arabella I met loads of girls it was so fun you know and I had such a great time and it was so empowering to be it was the first time I experienced a group of women together that really lifted each other up and were like fucking go on girl you look amazing in that bikini you look smoking in that lingerie you are wandering around the house naked and this is totally fine I was in my element it was amazing I had so much so much fucking fun <laughs> so I go I do this and actually this is really nice while I was at the house my set my first Suicide Girls set was released into member review on the website and I think within the hour they'd bought my set obviously because Sean was sat there next to me he bought it and I went around and I thanked every single person I didn't cry in front of anyone but I went around and I said thank you I couldn't say thank you enough times thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was so grateful. I'm sure anyone who has ever experienced that will... The joy you feel when you've been accepted into something that you've probably been thinking about or looking at or interested in since you were like a teenager, a young teenager. The feeling is absolute phenomenal. It's on top of this world. And I will never forget it to this day and I will feel eternally, eternally grateful. It was fucking sick. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So I, uh, I go home. I've done all this driving and stuff like that. I continue shooting, doing loads of shooting and stuff. And, uh, and then I, I've got my portfolio up on Facebook. I'm building up my Facebook profile. Social media has always been really important to me. I always understood the importance of that. And um, yeah, I, I saw this post on Facebook. And it's, it said uh, a, a group was auditioning for performers to be part of like a, like a not like a cabaret show, but like a variety kind of like group, you know? And as I had a, a dance background, um, I was doing belly dance lessons at the time, I think, actually. I really enjoy, still enjoy belly dance, still employ a lot of that in my acts. And I went down to this dingy little bar again. Am I going to die? Am I gonna, this is fine, right? This is safe. This is fine. This is why I made the model safety video, guys, okay? Tell people where you're going because, Jesus, I, I should have told someone. Like, not good. No way. So I did. I went down to this bar and I belly danced around the stage for three minutes. Um, and they must have liked me because they made me join or they let me join. They invited me to join, I suppose is the right word. And I learned to fire breathe. And it's the most empowering thing ever. It was sick. And I made friends with these girls and I went for a wagamamas with them after the audition. Again, keeping those work relationships going. Keep pass on past a friendship past a work relationship, make it into a friendship, solidify those relationships. And uh, I learned to fire breathe. I learned to do some like basic stick body burning and stuff like that. And I, uh, I went on the website. You know what, actually, no, I didn't. I got them as a gift. I got a pair of fire fans, which for those of you who don't know what they are, is two kind of contraptions. They look like, I don't know, fans, I guess, you know, like the kind of fans you used to fan yourself with and they have five wicks on and you dip them in fuel and you set them on fire and I had no fucking idea what I was doing. <gasps> I set them on fire and they were really, really, really hot and I almost broke my hands. I was like, ah, what do I do? So I forced myself to learn and I watched videos on um, homeofpoi.com, learned, taught myself to uh, dance with fire fans. That was my first ever fire toy and Everyone always asks, oh, where did you learn to do your fire stuff? And, and there are great schools and stuff around now. But back when I learned, must have been like seven or eight years ago now, there, I, at least as far as I know, there wasn't anything like that. Only online resources. So I taught myself, self-taught. And for anyone that's wanting to learn, I, that's what I would totally recommend. Totally do that. Um, just make sure there's someone there with a bucket of water, maybe. Um, or a wet towel, at least. Because <laughs> it gets really, really hot, Okay. <laughs> It gets really hot. So we do this, uh, we do the show. We get booked for our first ever show as a group, as a fire performance group. And I'm like, again, I belong to this other family. It was such a great feeling. It was amazing. It was so empowering. And it was at 
For those of you that live in England, or London specifically, you'll probably know of a club night at the Scala in King's Cross called Face Down. And we did a fire show there. Um, we did fire for the first two songs, and then for the last song, I think we poured cartons of milk all over us. <laughs> oh, looking back now, it was really, it was, it was, it wasn't great. But you know what? Everybody has to start somewhere. And some I've seen some people do it very classily, but good God, we did not. We were spitting in people's faces. We were, we were chucking at each other, pouring in their eyes. Um, and then, pro tip, if you do do a performance with milk and it soaks into your clothes, wash them as soon as possible because the smell of warm, gone-off milk in your clothes the next day when you're hungover, honest to God, it will, make you, it will make you very unwell. Very unwell. But that was that. And I did a show in London and fucking hell, I loved London. I had to move there. I have to move to London. I was like, oh my God, I have to move to London. Like now, I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move to London. So I packed my bags. I got a job at a diner in Soho. Ironically now, which is actually... And I didn't know this at the time, across the street from a nightclub I work in regularly called Cirque Soir. Um, and I would always see these weird people going inside being like, oh, those are interesting looking people. I want to be friends with them. I want to work there. And that's another goal I had set. But that is a story for later on in this story. I moved to London. I got a job at the diner. Um, I forcibly made myself homeless for a week. I sofa surfed. Um... Sometimes there were no sofas, so I just wandered around. You do what you gotta do. If you wanna succeed, you know, you fucking just do it. If you know you gotta do it, you fucking do it, okay? Truth. So I performed more and more and more, and as I said, I realized at Cirque Soir, all these weird people were going in, so I got a job there, being the hot tub girl. Um, that's it, I got my foot in the door just because my friend was like, shit. I need cover. I'm I'm doing being a hot tub girl. It's nightclub. I have to sit in a hot tub and pretend I'm having a good time. Ooh, I was having quite a good time. And I did that. And then I got promoted. Or not promoted. But I just kind of wiggled my way into the performance or performance side of the nightclub. I was like, hey, I do fire. I could be sexy on stage. Hell yeah. Give me a job. And uh, they did. And I am stoked about it. And that, again, was a huge launch on my career, I think. Massively, massively. And it was, it was so much fun. And yeah, and I just did that for a little while. And I had a great time, but it wasn't the most fulfilling thing in the world. And that's okay, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that happens. And then I get an email. Hey, Becca Crow, do you want to come out to LA with SG? I'd, I'd been out to LA with them at, that point already for once just kind of for fun um but they were like they were interested in my fire performance group and they were like oh what's the deal with that and like we want to we've done a tour before we want to do something kind of similar we want to do like a show or something you know so I went out to LA and I had a chat with Suicide Girls and they were like we want to we want to do a show and we want to have you involved somehow and I was like sick Amazing. I'll do it. I love shows. <laughs> I love performing. It's my life. It's what I want to do. 
And uh, I went home and I came back, I think, very, very soon after. And I can tell you the exact date of the auditions for the very first relaunch of the Black Heart Ballet Tour because I'm staring at the poster now. It has my butt on it, so I kept it. It was the 22nd of July, 2013. And I auditioned as a, for, for like a dance role. They had this choreography I had to learn. Um, and I had no idea at this point this is what it was supposed to be. So I turned up in like stupid heels, a stupid skirt and my glasses. And I sucked. <laughs> I was really, really bad. <laughs> I couldn't remember the moves. Every time I flicked my head, my glasses fell off. It was awful. It was really bad. And then I got home. Well, I got back to the SG house and I was like, oh shit, I fucked that up. And I think if people knew, like, they were like, no, mate, this ain't gonna work. So fortunately, they carved out a role for me. They said, we need a host. We want someone to talk in between the acts. We want to make something different. So we want you to host the autumn tour of the very first relaunch of the Suicide Girls Black Heart Brothers. So I toured the USA, and shit, it was a fucking experience. I'll tell you that. There's so many stories there. I could go on about them for days, so I'm not going to go into it. But it changed my life. It, it, it taught me a new way of like living on a tour bus. You, you can't take a shit on the tour bus, basically. you got to find a coffee shop. So you wake up in the morning, and you're like, ah, I got to poop. You gotta find a fucking coffee shop. You can't drink the bus water. So if you wake up and you're like, oh shit, we forgot to steal the water from the venue last night. I'm so thirsty. Why can I drink? If you drink the bus water, you'll get sick. Don't do that. And you basically sleep on this bus. Um, yeah, it's like a bunk, like bunk beds, like three on top of it. one, two, three, one, two, three, and then again, one, two, three, one, two, three. So there's like seven or eight girls living on this bus. It was crazy, but it was amazing. I saw most most states, I think. I think the only states I haven't been to from the USA is probably Alaska and Hawaii. I've been to them pretty much all. And that is an amazing experience, you know? Since then, I've toured the USA with the Black Heart Ballets four, four-ish times. I always make sure you try and leave on good terms. Always put 110% in. Touring is incredibly taxing and you just have to work as a team. It taught me very much that I have to work as a team and sometimes you just got to make it work, you know? The show must go on. I always say that. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately I've been with them to like places like Canada and Germany. Like I said, the USA four times. It's incredible. And that I think that probably was a huge point in my career because that gave me the confidence not only to dance on stage but to speak on stage. It gave me my voice which in turn has led me to do this podcast, led me to do my YouTube videos, to be able to host, and in future I have other plans, which it's, it's given me a confidence that you cannot believe. The power of public speaking is something that terrifies so many people, but not me. I fucking love it. So I got back off tour, and I started working for a company in the UK, you'll know what it is when I say it. Anywhere else in the world, you'll be like, what the fuck is that? It's a company called Babe Station. <laughs> this is a, a company in an industry where you have a channel on your television, on your network television, and there's a girl and she's on the phone. You can't hear what she's saying. There's just some like shitty music playing. 
but you can there's a number on the bottom of the screen and you can phone up and speak to the girl that's on the tv <laughs> and you pay an extortionate amount of money to watch this girl on tv who can get topless she can't show anything else she can get topless and dry hump the air <laughs> it was the weirdest weirdest job i've ever had but you know what it, it was it was really boring as well <laughs> i earn good money doing it and i respect so much respect the girls that do it day in and day out because it's exhausting it's fucking exhausting but again more skills i learned new skills i've had so many jobs you know these aren't even the normal jobs i haven't even touched on the normal jobs you don't want to know about those they're boring they're stories for drunk times but i learned new skills i learned how to keep a conversation going i learned how to dirty talk which is incredibly important as a sex worker i learned how to be engaging on a screen where i couldn't use my voice i had to use my eyes i had to use my body you know etc um and you had to do mic ups so I, I kind of learned to be a tv presenter i was ba- I, you were called a presenter i was effectively a tv presenter um for a phone sex line it was great it was fun it was short-lived but damn damn it taught me a lot <laughs> it was around that time that i think i began to make my calendars as well you know i really started to push more into the sex industry um obviously being a suicide girl and stuff immediately i was a sex worker a nude model is a sex worker it's such an umbrella terminology for people in so many different kind of jobs um but i started selling my first calendars etc and it really gave me this confidence and my social media started to grow started to grow 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 the more different avenues i explored performing on stage performing with a fire group um Working with magazines such as Elite Online Magazine, selling calendars, I've already said the one, working on Babe Station, I expanded. I've did all these different jobs. I put my fingers in all these different pies and my audience just blew up. It expanded hugely. I was I did some of the lads mags as well back in the day, you know, I did um I did like the Daily Star Page Three, Front Magazine I was in quite a few times. I love Front Magazine, Rest in Peace. And yeah. My audience became huge. And through that, I was booked for a photo shoot and I met this fabulous lady who was actually my first guest on Crovisation ever. And her name is Savannah Fox. And Savannah, I fucking love you. And we had this chat and she was like, oh, look, I'm learning to fire hula hoop. And I was like, oh, that's dope. I fire breathe. And she was like, oh, I want to fire breathe. And I was like, "Teach, I'll teach you. If you teach me how to do like fire hula hooping and stuff. So we did like a nice fire skill exchange. And she was like, hey, I've been speaking to the guy that puts on face down. And I was like, no way, I've performed that before. She was like, oh my God, no way, small world. I want to put on a show there. And I was like, I'm in. Sign me up right now. So we, we got a little group together. A little group of, <laughs> a little group of misfits. Uh, some of them I'm still friends with quite closely. And our first show was called Savannah Fox and Her Fire Ninjas. <laughs> it was so shit. Uh, but the show the show was okay, you know. It had structure, you know. We had a plan. We we wanted it not to just be, oh, go on stage and play with the fire toys. We wanted routines. We wanted structure. We wanted, we wanted timings, etc. We had the beginnings of something that could be something amazing, something that we did eventually take to fucking festivals on a huge, huge scale. And that is how Pyrohex was formed. 
And since then, we've performed at festivals like Downloads, performed at Hellfest, performed at Bloodstock. We've performed in Australia. We've performed all over Europe. We worked our asses off and we put together, we fucking upped the standard of the fire performance industry. We made, we made that industry wake up and go, oh shit, we got to do routines and shit. We got to make custom equipment and shit. We were making things ourselves. Like you could buy stuff online, but we were making stuff ourselves. Be a pioneer. If you want to do something, do it better. Don't just do it. You're never going to get your name made just by, you know, being like, yay. Or, I mean, you can just do something and be really fucking good at it. But do something new. People always like stuff new. It's so hard to be original in this world. But do something different and do something new. Uh, so, yeah. I did a fuck ton of shows with Pyrohex. It's fucking amazing. I love working with those girls. And guy. Sorry. There is a guy. There's a couple of guys in our group now, actually. Fuck yeah. And uh, so I get another email going back to Suicide Girls saying, Hey, we want to do a Blackheart Ballet show in London. And I'm like, oh, my hometown. Fuck yeah. Get in. Let's do it. And originally, we were going to do two shows at a small venue called Madame Jojo's. However, that got shut down because... Um, you can actually read it on the internet, so I don't think I'll have a problem saying it on here. Because a bouncer chased a punter down the street with a fucking baseball bat. Who does that? Who fucking does that? Fucking twat. Ugh. So they shut down Madame Jojo's. But it was probably a good thing. Or, or the universe was trying to tell me, hey, you got to take the show somewhere else. So we took it to the infamous Camden venue, the Electric Ballroom. And we performed the first Blackheart Bella show in the UK ever. And it was sick as fuck. And Sean and the manager of the Electro Ballroom at the time sat down afterwards and they were like, yo, this went down so well. And, and they were like, you know what? We want to do more stuff here. Obviously, we're over there. We're in the States. What if we do like a, like a club night or something? So it's like a small version of the show, but then like a party afterwards. Because the after party went down really well as well. And that, my friends, is how Ballroom Blitz was conceived. I was not there for the conception. I was not even involved particularly in the running of the very first one. I was just booked to host it and perform. And I met this wonderful, 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 powerful woman who, have I, who I've also had on my podcast. You will find her under Miss Crimson Martin and I met her and she and we had a great night we got super drunk and she gave me on this tiny little slip of paper her number she was like hey you guys are awesome here's my number and I was like huh and usually shit like that I'm really clumsy I'll just throw away but for some reason I kept the slip so you know what if someone gives you your details and you get a good vibe off them fucking hold on to that shit you never know it might be useful and then I get an email like a few weeks later being like, hey, Becca, we need a UK representative for the ballroom blitz because communicating with people in LA, is, it's, it's tricky. They're eight hours behind like, and they're just not here on hand if we need to have a meeting. We need somebody on the ground here. Do you want to be the UK representative for Suicide Girls at Ballroom Blitz? Obviously my answer was fuck yeah. Let's do it. So Crimson and I, 
<laughs> I think we've told the story in an episode. We went for a business meeting, a lunch business meeting at the World's End pub in London. And we were, we sat down, we had a pint, we started chatting. And I was like, should we, should we have a shot of tequila? Just to, you know, get us, just to get us warmed up. And she was like, yeah, I actually have tequila tattooed on my ankles. So obviously. <laughs> and we don't remember the rest of that business meeting. <laughs> oh, well, but it forged a lifelong friendship. And from that has come our very, very own beautiful, beautiful baby, Disgrace. D-I-S-G-R-A-C-E. For those of you that don't know, is the club night that Crimson and I run. And if you haven't been, it's in London and you damn well should come because it's a damn good party. Take it from me. But this club night has led me to push myself more. I've become more of a, a not a background person, but a managerial role. Again, learning new skills. It's another pie, another job that I've tried my hand at. I've never once stuck to the same thing. I've continued doing all the things that I started doing originally you know, but I never, ever, ever thought I would do this, and I, I've started, I know so much shit now, I can do, like, budgeting for promo and stuff like that, and I can run Facebook ads, um, which is a fucking mindful, by the way, um, but the thing that really stands out for me is every time we had an event, I had to conceive a new act, and this really pushed me creatively, because I am deep down a goddamn bleeding heart fucking artist and I love to be creative and I love to perform and I love to entertain and I had to create a new act every time and every time I did and I made something absolutely fucking ridiculous and I found my niche you know everybody starts out trying to be sexy because everybody wants to feel sexy on stage of course or powerful or skillful but I going back to my school days I think was the entertainer at my, not my own expense, because I was enjoying it too, but I always took on the silly role. I did a Ramona Flowers act where I came on in roller skates. I <laughs> I did an act to Lonely Island, I'm on a boat, and every single lyric I had a prop for. <laughs> and in the end, I crowd surfed in an inflatable fucking dinghy. Uh, that was an iconic moment. You know what, That the, there's a photo of that on the wall of the Electroborum in Camden. If you go to the Electric Roman Camden, look on the wall for the photo of a girl crowd surfing in a rubber dinghy. It's your girl. It's me. History right there. So, yeah. You know what? That's kind of where I am now. I'm pushing forward with where I am. I feel like I haven't progressed so much in the last two years or so, perhaps. But I've, I've been putting my fingers in more pie still. I've been doing this podcast now for a year, which I'm very proud of. Another skill that I've learned. It's been a huge, steep learning curve. I think I spoke about that um, when I did my year anniversary episode. I've been doing more YouTubing. I've been doing more things like that. Stuff I've got coming up. I'm working damn hard over Christmas. Um, I'm potentially going into an industry that is linked again back to one of my jobs I had previously. um, But is a totally new world to me. I've been researching it today and I'm really excited about it because I, as a feminist, and just as a human being in general, enjoy being in control of my life, my destiny, and my career, my job, my schedule. And it really plays into the hand and I'm really excited about it. But, uh, yeah, that, beautiful humans, is the story of Rebecca Crow. 
she is only partway through her story and she's had a she's had a bit of a shit year if i'm honest like i said at the beginning i've had some financial blows however my wonderful wonderful beautiful friend crimson told me that another wise powerful woman told her that if you ever read a successful very successful very famous person's autobiography there's always a chapter or two near the beginning where they say oh my fucking god i thought i was gonna die I cried every day. I didn't know how I was going to afford my rent. I had to sell my kidney on the internet or something. Or, or I got fired for some stupid reason that wasn't even my fault. Or dumb shit like that. So my advice to you is if you feel like that, keep going. Always keep going. Be a shark. Keep swimming forwards. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm saying that for you guys or for myself. But good God, it's true. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey, beautiful humans. Like, it's been very therapeutic for me, you know, revisiting. I was uh, I was scrolling through my Instagram earlier, just looking for photos, trying to think of funny stories. And I have so many funny stories, but some of them are very compromising. So I can't, I can't tell you them. But uh, perhaps one day, oh no, I perhaps can't give you an Instagram tour of my Polaroid wall. I have a wall of Polaroids from all the house parties I've ever had. Um, but there's a lot of boob in them. Far too much boo for Instagram. Instagram would have a, a fucking meltdown. Because nipples are evil. Remember that, guys. Nipples are bad. Part, unless they're male nipples, in which case they're fine. Who fucking knows? I don't fucking know. Who fucking knows? But yeah, that's my life. And I've enjoyed it. I've done as many things as I can. I've shot with as many different people as I can. Something really important to remember, and it's some advice I always give people is... Uh, like, Payment doesn't always have to come in monetary form, you know. Payment can be so much more. Sometimes it's worth doing something. Think of the bigger picture always. And <laughs> you're going to laugh at this one. But if you get invited to go to a party and it's like not just like a house party or even if it is a house party but you know someone important is going to be there, go to the party. I don't care if you got work the next day. I don't care, you don't drink. Or if you're like me, do drink and just deal with the hangover. Go to the party, meet the people, meet every person, you single, every single person you can. Make friends with every single person you can. Also, have fun, you know? Cliche as it is, YOLO. All right, beautiful humans. I hope my story has been mildly entertaining. If not, <laughs> then I'm terribly sorry to have wasted 40 minutes of your time but I love you all so so dearly and to plug myself because I always ask for plugs at the end of the episode you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Cats and Crows K-A-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S and uh yeah like I said I'm in a financial hard spot right now my second car of the year has been scrapped so I help your girl out purchase one of my 2019 calendars they are fucking bomb. I put a lot of work into them. The theme is blue, in case you hadn't guessed already. Ho oh, ho, I like the color blue. Who would have thought? But yeah, thank you so much for listening, beautiful humans. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Mwah. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.